You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. We'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at Let's Talk Torah, no apostrophes. Let's Talk Torah at gmail.com. And of course, I will answer as many as I can. And you can always check out our webpage, it's beautiful. Let's Talk Torah.net. Let's talktorah.net you can check out the archives, the new shows you can leave comments and questions uh, and again we'll, we'll take care of all your questions that you send in over there it's great feedback uh, when you go to that page and of course the all important donate button that helps us continue to do our great work and to keep producing these amazing shows and I do need your help if you hit that donate button there's four levels, you want to leave a message we'll give you a shout out, you want to remain anonymous we're okay with people remaining anonymous whatever works we accept, and we are happy for everything that you do for us, and in advance, I do thank you. So, as we said in the last show, we are now in the book of Exodus, the book of Shemos. We are starting the second book in the Torah, the book that is the creation of the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation. Very interesting. It's called Exodus, right? But that's not the name of the Torah portion. The name of the Torah portion, and in Hebrew, the name of the book is Shemos. Shemos means names. The Torah portion starts out, these are the names of the Jewish people, and it goes through the 12 tribes, right? Ruben, Shem, Levi, Yehuda. It goes through the 12 tribes, and it tells us how they died, and, and, the, and the 70 that came down, except for some of the ladies, that they passed away, and then the Jewish people will start to, out of Goshen, um, into the land of Egypt, and that's where all the problems begin. Rashi says, we, we know the names of the tribes. Hello? Just turn back a few pages. We, we mention their names when they came down to Egypt. They're talking to Joseph. We, we, the names, the last bunch of Torah portions have been discussing the names of the 12 tribes. So why all of a sudden mention them again? So Rashi says that the Jewish people, the tribes, are like stars. And the verse says that God, when he brings the stars out and he puts the stars back, he counts each individual star. So Rebley boxed a blessed memory that Sal explained when God created the world, we've talked about it, so the moon and the sun were the same size, whatever that means, okay? And the moon says, come on, God, you can't have two kings for the same size, like shared kingship. So God says, fine. Only one of you can be bigger. We'll make the sun bigger. Right? You've got to be careful what you ask for. So he made the moon smaller, but to appease the moon, again, whatever that means, to appease the moon, he gave him the stars um, to serve him. 
So the purpose of the stars are to serve the moon. Again, I have no idea what this means. But whatever it means that the job of the stars are to serve, this much we can understand. That the purpose of a star is to serve. So that's when, when Rashi says that the 12 tribes and the names that we're mentioning here are like stars. So we're saying that the purpose of the tribes, of the Shvatim, comparing them to stars, is to say their job is to serve. So that thought is really a beautiful thought in, in, in the beginning of the Jewish nation. The, in Exodus here, they were talking about that the Jewish nation is, is being created, that we, we need to understand our purpose is to serve, to serve each other, to help each other. Again, we talked a lot in the last show that the, the, the purpose of being slaves was we had to learn to take care of each other, to help each other, no matter how bad things got. And that was Pharaoh's plan, was to try to break this idea that we took care of each other. So I thought it would be fascinating to talk about the women in this week's Torah portion. You know, in many of the Torah portions, a lot of laws are given. Um, but throughout, of course, there are great women throughout the Torah. But the over, overall, it's men. We'll talk about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the tribes. Now we've got Pharaoh and Moses and Aaron. Um, and even the people that start up. Or it's, it's almost exclusively men. You've got to look to see where the women fit in, and a lot of times, even when they fit in, you got to really look carefully and deeply to understand how important and integral the women were to the story, and their importance, and what we can learn from there. So let's talk about the women in this week's Torah portion. So the first ones that come to mind, we don't even use their real name, is Yocheved, Moses' mother, and Miriam, Moses' sister. However, they're referred to as Shifra and Pua. What's the story? So, we talked in the last show that Pharaoh's plan to, to stop the growth of the Jewish nation was to make them slaves. And that didn't work. Instead, Pharaoh says, okay, well, keep the slaves, but th- that plan didn't work. We, we need to stop all these boys being born. We got to get rid of all the boys. If there's girls, big deal, they'll intermarry into the Egyptians, and then the Jewish nation will cease to exist. How is he going to kill the boys? So plan number one in killing the boys, before we get to throwing them into the river, that's the final plan. Pharaoh has a meeting with the midwives. And he tells the midwives, and this is Shifra and Pua, who are really, that's, it's almost like a title. Um, but they, that was Yocheved and Miriam. They were the midwives. And Pharaoh says, I want you to kill the baby boys. And it was when the mother's giving birth, he gave them um, different signs to tell if it's going to be a boy or it's going to be a girl. And while the mother's giving birth, you kill the boy. Because once the kid's born, it's too late. Now, it's, it's amazing to even think. Right? This sounds so wicked 
that you can have these midwives, either in charge of the midwives or they're the midwives, uh, that they'll be killing all these boys that are born. Like, how? How could it be? Now, it's not such a good question, really, because just look at the world we live in. There's, right, uh, pro-abortion, right? Just, you know, woman's body. I can do what I want with my body. It's my decision. It doesn't matter that there's a fetus inside of me that could turn into a person. It's really nothing. It's just mine. I can do what I want. It's, it's, it's ruining my, uh, my, my life. It's going to make me poor. All the different excuses. But at the end of the day, uh, those people that are pro-abortion are basically saying there's nothing wrong with killing the fetus, straight up. And they even want, there have been laws, right, that it even sounds like, could be I'm getting this wrong, but I don't think so, that they even want permission after the baby's born. Certainly they want permission before the baby's born, which is crazy, right? Seventh, eighth, ninth month, these are, these are living beings already. We really believe from day 40, but okay, fine. So it's not so unheard of that you should that there are people that think you should be allowed to kill babies. So the Pharaoh telling Yocheven and Miriam, either you kill these babies or I'm going to kill you, it's unfortunately not so far-fetched to imagine that they could do it. So the verse tells us why didn't they kill the babies? Because they feared God. If not for the fact that they feared God, why why wouldn't they kill the babies? Why would they kill the babies? And even right, like look what's happening in America. Right, the fact that the Supreme Court um, um, took away Roe v. Wade, so you would think it's just fifty percent of the country that's upset. You know, the pro-abortion should be upset. The pro-life should be happy. But. Look at all these politicians that are trying to distance themselves from that whole decision, trying to make new laws in different states, what the law is, and, uh, and more pro-abortion. So it's a lot of people, right? So if not for the fact that Yocheved and Miriam fear God, right, um, they would have they killed the babies. So with all the good or the kindness that they must have done, and the prayers, and the taking care of, and the, all the good things that, that like, like all the diamonds, all the pearls, all the beautiful attributes that someone like Yocheved and Miriam may have had. I remember Miriam, she's one of the three. When, when Joseph interprets the dream from the cupbearer, he says he dreams, the vine and there's three branches and 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 he squeezes the wine into the cup of Pharaoh and he's getting his job back. So that's very good. Okay, so Joseph tells him you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get in three days, you're gonna get your job back and remember me to Pharaoh. But Joseph himself Joseph himself um recognized that this was a message coming from God. What was the message? Uh, the message was that there's going to be uh, an exile. We're going to be slaves in Egypt, but eventually you're going to go out. And the three, the three branches is referring to the three leaders that will take the Jewish people out: Moshe, Aaron, and his sister Miriam. 
So these are she is one of the three. She's a great person. But it, you have to imagine it like a like a bracelet, like a necklace full of diamonds or rubies or or pearls. And what holds all these diamonds or pearls or or emeralds together? The string, right? The chain. The chain is fearing God. That is where it all starts. Right? If you want to know what's important to God, right? You read his book. His book is the Torah. And he's telling you what made the midwives so special was their fear of God. So, um, I saw a story. The story is told by a, uh, um, there was a man, his name was Tzvi Kamenetsky. Why I actually know his name, I'm not sure, but that's how the story goes. Um, unfortunately, he and his wife did not have children for many years. And with the help of an organization called A Time, um, his wife became pregnant. But she gave birth early. Two and a half months early. And they were nervous, right? The child wasn't, uh, didn't make it to full term. And so, born two and a half months early, they put you in the NICU. Finally, after two months of being in the NICU, he finally came home. He finally came home. And what he did was very interesting. Um... He called, they named him Yaakov. Yaakov Kamenetsky has a famous name of a great rabbi, but okay. Um, he called up his, his rabbi, his, his teacher, a man by the name of Elias Svei, and he asked him, he says, you know, I'm so appreciative that the, the nurses in this NICU were so good to my son for two months. And I was there all the time. I saw all the things they did for him, how they cared for him, how they took care of him. And I would really like to thank them. But, you know, I just wonder, like, bringing them a box of donuts, that's a thank you for, for all the time and effort they put in. So the Osfe told him, was, went through this Torah portion with him. And it says, very interesting, so these midwives, Shefer and Pua, right, Yechevet and Miriam, they feared God, they kept the babies alive, so the Torah tells us what their reward was. But the language of the verse is very strange. It says that, um, that God did good to the midwives, then it says the people multiplied and grew very strong. And then the verse says God made for these midwives houses. What were the houses? Rashi says it means families. From Miriam will come kingship. From Yocheved will come the priesthood and the Levites. So that would seem to be the real reward. Obviously, he made them houses. Doesn't mean he built them palaces. What do they need palaces for, right? That's not the real reward. But the problem is the verse are, seems to be out of order. First, say, God did good to the midwives, and he gave them houses, and the people increased, and they were strong. What, what is this, the people increased and they were strong? Why is that part of, why is that part of the reward? It sounds like it's part of the reward. What shaykh what is, as we say, what does have to do with anything? So, Rebellion told him that 
the greatest reward you can give somebody is to show the person the fruits of their labor. Show the person that everything you worked for was successful. The midwives wouldn't kill the babies. Not only that, they, they, they did over and above. They would bring food to the family and clothes to the family and support to the family. Everything to show Pharaoh says we're supposed to kill the babies. We are going to bend over backwards to do everything in our power to keep these children alive and well. So the reward was, this is what you worked for. Yes, of course, God has to reward you because you didn't listen to Pharaoh and you, you were so good, you, you helped the baby stay alive. Great, okay, so in the next world, you're going to get a reward, no problem. But here, your reward is going to be, you were successful. Being successful is, is amazing, right? Everyone wants to see the fruits of their labor. Right? Somebody wants to build a school. Right? So, yeah, a guy's going to give a lot of reward for all the Torah that, that he's uh, disseminated. But show me a successful school. Right? Show me success. So he said, he says, what you should do is, once a year, bring your little Yaakov back to the NICU and say to the nurses, thank you, thank you, this is the child that you helped for two months in the NICU. Look how he's grown. Look how big he is. He's healthy. He's strong. That's what you should do. And he did. Once, twice, three times, four times. Every year on the boy's birthday, they marched to the NICU. When the boy's by mitzvah was coming, he sent an invitation to the NICU, to all the nurses in the NICU, and he said, my son, on his 13th birthday, uh, Jewish custom is we have a special party to celebrate him becoming a bar mitzvah, becoming a man, becoming responsible. Please join us at the bar mitzvah celebration. So I guess a week or two later, he gets a call from the head nurse of the NICU. And she said... You know, we very much appreciate that you invited us to your son's bar mitzvah. I want to tell you, most of the nurses here, this is 13 years since your son um, was born. Most of the nurses here are new. They were not here when your son went into the NICU. But your son is our poster child. We teach all our nurses, when you help these infants, these preemies, when you help them and you, you know, we, we, we keep them alive, we send them home, yeah, you are helping this boy or girl become the next Yaakov Kamenetsky. So therefore, the head nurse said, because we so appreciate all you've done for us and, and, how, and how you show us that what we do has value, um, we are actually all coming to the Bar Mitzvah. Now, again, it's not all the same nurses, but, but I'm telling you, the nurse said, this is what you've accomplished. Right? So, so again, so the midwives, the main focus is because they feared God, and that's what the Torah wants us to learn. The Torah wants us to learn the importance, the value of fearing God is where everything begins. And who does God choose to teach us this lesson? The midwives. The next group of ladies don't have names. 
As a matter of fact, the next group of ladies, you don't really see them in the Torah portion, but the Talmud tells us about it. Um, it's a, for those who know the story, on Passover we talk about it, and they're called the Nashim Tzidkaniyais. The Talmud says that we only merited leaving Egypt because of the righteous women. Who are these righteous women? That when, when, when their husbands became slaves... The husband became slaves, and they said, the husband said, why should I be married? Why should I have kids? I'm so tired. I can't even think. So it says the wives made themselves up all pretty, and they first went to the water, and they drew water, and in the buckets there were fish, and they cooked fish, and they would go to where their husbands were working in the fields, and they would bathe their husbands, and they would feed their husbands, and sleep with their husbands. And they become pregnant, and that was what caused the continuation of the Jewish people. So these women understood the importance of family, the importance of taking, the importance of taking care of their husbands, the importance of staying married. They understood that this is that their husbands could not continue. Their husbands alone gave up. So it wasn't going to happen. So it was these women, all of them, all the women in Egypt. They kept their husbands going, and they kept the Jewish nation going. And that, again, because of that, even though um, in Torah law, positive commandments, women um, don't have to keep, they don't have to keep the negative commandments, positive commandments are not required because they, they have to care their children. But the positive commandments on Passover, they have to keep because they were the cause of us leaving Egypt. Okay, and now for the third important woman that we find in this Victoria portion, there's really a fourth one that I forgot about. I said that's terrible. I forgot about her. Um, but the fourth one, the the well, I guess I'm gonna go out of order now that I, I remembered. Um, who saves Moses? Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter. She comes to the river. She sees Moses. She pulls him out. She pulls out his basket. She sees God's presence there, and she decides she's saving Moses. So while her father is busy commanding that every firstborn, every I'm sorry, every boy should be killed, she is the one saving Moses, and she brings him to the palace. But once Yehovah, the mother, has to nurse him for two years. After two years, she brings him to the palace. He's alive and well, surviving in the palace because of her. So the salvation of the Jewish people, again, comes through a woman. Okay, I forgot about that one, but one more. And that is Moses' wife. So it is interesting. All these important women were all necessary for Moses. His mother, his sister, um, Basia, the one who takes him out of the river, and, of course, his wife. What happens? Um, Zipporah is Yisro's, Jethro's daughter. So Moses has to escape Egypt because he murdered a Egyptian. It was done to save a Jew. But at the end of the day, Pharaoh wants to execute Moses. Moses runs for his life. He disappears um, in the desert for, I don't know, 50, 60 years, makes his way to Midian by the well. And when Jethro's daughters are bringing their sheep to be watered and the shepherds chase them away, that's a different story. And Moses saves them, and he waters them, and Jethro says, 
Jethro says, uh, how'd you guys get home so early? Oh, this Egyptian guy, he came and he saved us. And, and because of him, we, um, we got to feed our, you know, give our sheep to drink right away. Miraculous, what it came to the top of the well. Okay, the story, Jethro says, and you left him behind? Cool, maybe he'll marry one of you. Now, according to the Medrash, after Moses comes and is introduced and Jethro finds out that Moses an escaped um, um, criminal, for murdering Egyptian, he's not so sure he wants to take care of Moses, and he puts him, like, in this pit. Doesn't feed him. Let's, let's see what happens. Zipporah, Moses' future wife, goes to the pit every day, and she feeds Moses, and she talks to Moses. So for 10 years, Moses in this pit being fed by Zipporah. So that's another important woman who understood who Moses was, and she saves his life. But she saves his life again. Because they get married, and Moses becomes Jethro's shepherd, and and he takes a sheep, and we hopefully are familiar with the story by the burning bush, and God tells Moses that uh, he has to take the Jewish people out, and Moses argues for a week, and finally God says, end the conversation, you are taking the Jewish people out, go down to Egypt. Oh, ran out of time. But Zipporah is going to save Moses' life. When she circumcises her son, the angel's going to kill Moses for not circumcising. She circumcises. Okay, it was a women's show. The music's playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know I can't do it without you. Thank you to the wonderful production team. I have Alan in the back today. Hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi C. Jacobs, and you've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build, every room inside.